The voter irregularities are growing, the media bias is appalling, and the elitism of our elected officials is disgusting. I'm Josiah Everton, and this is The Glorious Rescue. Aren't you tired of feeling forced to choose between staying informed and being indoctrinated? Listen to the condensed news cycle without the lies, agendas, and confusion from the mainstream media, all while engaging in deeper discussions about the principles that have influenced our great nation. This is what rescuing America looks like. This is The Glorious Rescue. What day is it today? That is right. It's Friday, which means another episode of The Glorious Rescue, where we are jumping into all things media bias, all things elected official elitism, all things voter irregularities, just like I mentioned in the intro, all things that are very pertinent and very necessary to discuss today, as well as answering any questions, suggestions, and all of that as well as a couple exciting announcements moving forward with the show. So I'm definitely excited for today's episode as we get into. Before I get into this episode, I want to mention last episode. If you remember, the title was Refreshing the Tree of Liberty. But I have a hunch that there were at least a few of us who don't know what that means. What does that phrase come from? What is the origin? And it is something that I'm deeply passionate about, something I enjoy discussing. So we will discuss it very briefly. What does it mean, refreshing the tree of liberty? In 1787, there was a letter written by Thomas Jefferson to John Adams' son-in-law. John Adams was second president of the United States. And one, two, yep, second president of the United States. And he, in this letter, Thomas Jefferson made the statement, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Very short sentence, but a very impactful sentence. What does it mean? Very simply, there's a tree of liberty. And for that tree, for our liberties to grow, that tree must be watered. It must be nurtured. And the way to nurture and grow that tree is through the shedding of blood of patriots to shed the blood of tyrants. Our right to revolution. And that is kind of the connotation of that. What does that mean to us? It means that we must, as patriots, be ready to shed our blood to shed the blood of tyrants. And I'm not necessarily calling right now a direct call to revolution, but I'm just saying that it is a good reminder for tyrants, for tyrants in our nation and in our day, to remember that there are patriots who are willing to stand up for what's right and who are willing to, to, to risk their lives or even to offer their lives as sacrifice for the liberty of others, refreshing the tree of liberty. So I just wanted to give you that reminder, as well as moving into the show, just thank you, giving you a very hearty welcome, a very hearty thank you, I should say. And for the support with the show, I could go on and on about the number of reaches, the number of views, even on our Instagram page, much more support than, than I would, uh, I would expect hundreds of views, hundreds of impressions, even as well from, from videos and different items, posts, when we only have a, not even that many followers. So very large growth. And also probably one of, one of my favorite data points is the amount of new listeners we're getting per week on the show. I don't want to say we are growing by 30, 40 listeners per week, but what I will see, say is that there are 30 to 40 brand new listeners listening into the show every single week. Again, not saying that we're growing by that number, but what I mean is there are 30 to 40 every single week, individuals who have never listened to the show, pick up and just listen to an episode, watch an episode on the YouTube channel of The Glorious Rescue. It is very, very gratifying and very it makes me very thankful for all the continued support, the sharing, the suggestions, 
as we continue to grow the show, we will continue to see more of that. But I just wanted to share that with you. Again, giving you a thank you and a way I can, I guess, express that thank you is through another giveaway. As you know, this is episode number 48. It is hard to believe that we have come 48 episodes into the show, but that means in two episodes, it will be the big five zero. And for that, we will be giving away a big five zero, $50 cash prize. But how do you win this cash prize? There will be an Instagram post later today that will outline those instructions. But just to give you a brief outline here, very simple, very simple. Again, there will be an Instagram post this evening that you will need to first and foremost, follow the glorious rescue on Instagram. You say, Josiah, I don't have an Instagram account. Super simple suggestion. Make one. <laughs> if you want to win the giveaway, just simply make, uh, make an Instagram account. Very simple to do so. And first and foremost, follow the glorious rescue. That's number one. Number two, like the post. You'll see again, the video tonight, like that post. And then Again, in that post, in the comment section, there will be the outline on how to enter in this, but then simply post the video to your story and tag the glorious rescue. So that way we can see you, that way we can enter that. And then the way to actually completely enter into that video is to comment on that video, anything about the show uh, in, in a positive light. Let's put it that way. Let's try to keep it to positive comments about the show, obviously. If you're trying to win money from the show, let's try to say something good about the show. But anyways, comment something that you like about the show. Maybe it's your favorite segment. Maybe it's a particular quote, a particular video that you enjoyed, or maybe just something that you enjoy, something you've learned from the show. Just comment that and tag three people who do not follow the page. If you want to win and be entered into and get more entries, just simply tag more people than three with a maximum of six, and that will give you more entries. Just comment on that post, tagging people who do not follow the show, something good that you enjoy about the show. Now, moving on to and past the announcements, we're going to get into the actual show very briefly, and that is first and foremost, voter irregularities. This is and has been a problem in our election, the 2020 election specifically. I do believe I have made the statement on the show before. I believe voter fraud exists. I believe voter irregularities exist. Irregularity meaning inconsistencies, the general idea of not everything seeming to be what it should be. And then fraud meaning it is actually purposeful and it's to help a particular candidate. Voter irregularities exist in every election. It's human, whether we're using humans. And so we have human error or computer and computing issues. There are voter irregularities, but there is voter fraud. And I know this because... Every single instance of voter irregularities helps one candidate, Joe Biden. There has been, as far as I'm concerned, and as, as far as I've seen, looking at all the data, there's not been one single instance of voter irregularity that has helped Donald Trump. This makes me very emphatically and very confidently make the statement that I believe there's voter fraud. The question is just how extensive is it to push the actual votes and in, in swing states to help Donald Trump win? to give him the electoral votes in particular swing states to win? That is the question. I do believe it is there. I do believe it is fairly extensive now, unfortunately. And I do believe it is voter fraud because it is all tipping to one candidate's favor. Just like we're going to mention with the media bias, I understand all media companies are going to make mistakes. But when every single mistake, every single headline trails to one side and they have to retract it because it's inaccurate, it always leans pro-left. That is how we know it's corrupt. That's how we know this election has been corrupt. It's just a matter of how much. Three waves. Three waves in Georgia. Have there been recounts? It has been noted. And I want to make it again, mention it again, that the Georgia Secretary of State, Brad, I will not try to pronounce his last name. Actually, I will. Raffensperger. Brad Raffensperger announced this week, I should say last week, that there will be an audit and a full hand-on 
recount of all the votes in the state. This is good news for Donald Trump. There's nearly 5 million ballots, so that is a lot of counting. But good old Raffensperger has announced that there will be a recount. This was some time ago. And in this recount, there's been at least three instances already. One with 2,600 ballots tipping towards Donald Trump. Actually, I want to say around 1,300 of those ballots tipping and reducing the gap between Trump and Biden. Another one was a second round. I should say the second round did so again where it gave Biden... Uh, it shrunk his lead by another 1,100 or 800, somewhere around that. And then a third wave did so for another several hundred. The point I'm trying to make here is, is very clear that in this recount, every single county that's been recounted where they find missing ballots, where they find ballots that were improperly inputted, they always lean Joe Biden, every single one. I would be a little bit hesitant to make the voter fraud argument if the left... When, we, when the right makes the arguments of voter fraud, and here's examples of voter fraud helping Joe Biden, if they said, if the left came out and said, yes, but here's examples in all these different counties that show Trump being aided by the voter fraud, but I haven't found any. <laughs> That's how I want to say and want to make the statement that it's all leaning heavily Joe Biden. Again, it's just a matter of how much. In Pennsylvania, Trump also has had some litigation victories, some recounts, some declarations that the state officials will not count ballots that are not postmarked before the election, I want to say. So good things there in Pennsylvania as well, as well as Michigan. Michigan, he does not have as strong of a lead. Joe Biden has a much stronger lead, I should say. I was going to say Donald Trump doesn't have as much and as strong of a chance of regaining as like Wisconsin or Arizona or Georgia, Pennsylvania as well, just because there's a vast number of ballots still that seem questionable. But in Michigan, there are many commissioning boards that are not verifying the election. They're not confirming the election results. And they're going back. They are going to go back, end up, and doing some recounts. L let's just pray as Christians, if you're a Christian, I ask that you appeal to the justice of God, to the holiness of God, that he does not like to see evil continue. He doesn't like darkness to prevail. And so appeal and pray to for God to act in accordance to his character. That is simply how... I pray as a Christian that God will act in accordance to his character. Also, now that we've talked about how voter irregularity is all going in one direction, oddly enough, I want to talk about another odd situation, something you wouldn't expect, and that is every single media error is always leaning Joe Biden as well. What do I mean? And what is a good, strong, and very blatant example of this? Well, I am so glad you asked, because according to the Cook Political Report, before the 2020 election, here was their analysis of 27 congressional seats. Again, this is a vast number, 27. They said, according to these 27 races, they labeled them toss-ups. And these 27 congressional seats, and in these races, 27 of them are toss-ups. All 27 of them went Republican. Every single one of them. You can't tell me that they took 27 congressional districts and of 27 of them, the Cook Political Report could not come up with one that they would analyze and that they would project would be Republican. There's no way in 27 districts that you could come up with, could not come up with one single county, one single race that would lean Republican. You wouldn't project one of them. I can't get over this because again, all media bias leans left. It's not like sometimes they mess up and they go too far left. Sometimes they mess up and come out with a headline that's too flashy to the right. No, 
every single time when they have to come back and retract statements, every single time they make flaws and errors, polling errors or projections for elections and seats and races, every single time it leans left. But you know what? That's just fun because that means that we get to make the comeback, right? In uh, the in a Utah race, there are 11 seats. I want to say 11 House seats. Anyways, they have every single set, seat runs red in their Congress, except for one. There's one Democratic seat. This last election, it was turned every single congressional seat is Republican. This is the humor that I find in it because sure, they can project that we are going to lose. They can project that there's no hope, but that just means the comeback is all that much more fun. So that is simply what I wanted to mention on media bias. But lastly, before heading into our end of show segment, I want to talk about what absolutely makes my blood boil. This is what we talked about in the last episode. By the way, I want to make a quick recap, a quick comeback from last episode where I heavily laid into Gavin Newsom for his hypocrisy, for his elitism, making us follow mandates that he won't follow himself. Well, I just want to come back and say that I I take it all back. I take it all back. It's all gone because Gavin Newsom apologized. He said he's sorry. And so, you know, apologetic tyrants are no longer tyrants. Gavin Newsom did apologize. But again, here's another example of the elitism, not from Gavin Newsom this time. Although, yes, he still acts like an elite. He still acts like he's above us. He still acts like we're subjects, so I'm not removing Gavin Newsom from from the list of tyrants. But I just want to add another that I actually mentioned in last episode. I would say that I'm starting to project things, starting to prophesy things, and that is Chris Cuomo. Correction, Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo, I, I get the names mixed up because they are brothers. They are both in politics and they are both liars <laughs> and both hypocrites. Andrew Cuomo. Here's the headline, quote, while New Yorkers suffer amid pandemic, absolutely 100% true, Andrew Cuomo is getting a pay raise. How big is that pay raise, you ask? A $25,000 annual pay raise starting in January. That is correct. All New Yorkers, people around the country right now are being heavily hit by the COVID-19 pandemic. Unemployment through the roof, business closures through the roof. And yet the good old Andrew Cuomo sitting atop on his throne with his crown and his scepter magically, magically raised himself from $225,000 to $250,000 annual salary. That is right. I guess that's a 10% raise or so to $250,000 annual salary for being the absolute worst governor in history, for his absolute horrible handling of the COVID pandemic specifically with nursing homes and elderly and the mortality rate among the elderly in New York because he did not do anything with the nursing homes. That is how he is blessed. He is blessed because, well, normally, like all of us, normal people, when we serve at our job, we work, we clock in, we clock out. When we do poor and we do a bad job and we have horrible performance, we are not blessed. We are not given pay raises, but we are punished. And yet, Andrew Cuomo gets a nice little bump up because of his handling of coronavirus, I guess, or because of the extra effect, because he's really being attacked by the mainstream media. I'm sorry. I know I should take a quick step back and note that I have been quite a bit more sarcastic in this episode. I just get very frustrated when I see this elitism, because again, we are not subjects. These are not our kings. These are elected and they only are elected and they only have the right to operate because they have our consent, the consent of the governed. So I will take a step back. I will remember that we live in the greatest country in our nation. And I want you to remember that as well as we head over into our end of show segment of the founding era. 
very quickly. Again, I know I have been much more critical in this episode of the media, of the election. Very cynical view. I understand that pessimism is needed in sometimes because it's not just pessimism, it's realism. But I want to give us an end of this episode with some bright optimism, some resounding optimism. Because when I have been asked the question, is there hope for America? Is there hope for our American system? I always say a resounding yes, a hopeful yes. And not just a blind hope, not just a blind faith, but a belief that America will push through because America has pushed through. And because I have that belief in the American spirit, the American patriots, the American system. And so why and how and where does that come from? What is the founding of that? If you remember in that in our previous segments of the founding era, what have we covered? We have covered the amendments and we've gone through amendments one through 10, the Bill of Rights. So this episode, this segment, we're just going to briefly go through amendments 11 through 13. The first 11 and 12 are really short, honestly, uh, a brief explanation because they're not super applicable to us and we don't really see them as super being super foundational to us, but Amendment number 11 basically just prohibits federal courts from hearing certain lawsuits against states. It has been interpreted, to give a brief summary, to mean that state courts do not have to hear certain lawsuits against other states. Basically, it's just state-to-state lawsuits and things like that if the suits are based in federal law. Next is the 12th Amendment. The 12th Amendment stipulates that electors must cast distinct votes for president and vice president. In recent before that time, back in the first several years of our nation's history, we have the electoral system, and it used to be that electors would cast votes, two votes, and they would just cast two votes for the candidate, and the person with the most votes was president, and the second, I believe, was vice president or something along those lines. Now electors cast votes for the president, and then they cast a separate vote for the vice president. Again, not very applicable to us today, but the 13th Amendment, that is one that I want to just briefly discuss for this end of show segment, and that is the 13th Amendment being the abolishment of slavery. This is very fundamental, very foundational to our American system. And this is not the antithesis of our Declaration of Independence. It is not the antithesis of our founding fathers of our American system. This is actually a great example of our system. What does that mean? Why is it so important to what I'm saying right now? Amendment 13 says neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Obviously, the exception to involuntary servitude, if you commit a crime and that's your punishment, community service, things like that, where you are required to pay back time. But that's the exception to the rule. The rule is no slavery, no involuntary servitude. Slavery is completely abolished. Now, it takes more time for those those amendments to develop. There will be further amendments where there are no poll taxes, where you cannot be taxed to go to the polls because that would prohibit or at least restrict poor people from voting. Or different amendments like women's suffrage, where women are now allowed to vote. But this is specifically removing slavery. Again, there will be more develop, the developments in our history where we move more and more closer to Civil Rights Act in the 1960s and the civil rights movement being the culmination of that. And I do believe that the 1960s era was the ending of racism as far as systemic racism in our nation. And the 13th Amendment is the beginning of that. I should not say the beginning, the first development of that. The beginning is in our founding principles. This is why I say the 13th Amendment is not the antithesis. It's not the opposite. It's not that the founders said that they wanted slavery to stay in America. It's not that they created a system of slavery and racism. And then the 13th Amendment comes and it pushes that away. It's not the opposite. They're not opposing. They're not blocking each other. 
rather the exact opposite. Our Declaration of Independence says that all men are created equal. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable, unchanging, doesn't change by race, culture, creed, unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Declaration of Independence expressly states that. The Constitution creates and founds a government that is able to operate for that purpose of creating a free system, a liberty-promoting culture, and a liberty-promoting system, government, that allows for equal opportunity of all races. But again, this 13th Amendment to the Constitution, this abolishment of slavery, is just a promotion, just a building block off of that of those already beautiful documents, already learned and wise men. That is why it is so important to remember this, because that is what people are touting and taunting today, that the American system is wrong, it's evil, it's racist, it must be completely cast out. We talk about this almost every single episode, but we must remember that that system is there in place and that the failures we see within that system is not because it is a failure of that system, but it is a failure to follow that system. Just simply that our American principles are not wrong, but they have not yet been fully applied. The 13th Amendment helping to more fully apply the beautiful principles, the beautiful documents that have founded this nation. And that is the ending message. That is the resounding message of this episode. That the American system, the American principles are true. They are good. And that they must be fully applied. A hopeful message. A grateful message. Yes, we were a little bit more sarcastic and humorous about all these different issues we see in our day to day. But again, those are just the surface issues. The founding issues here are hopefully issues that we as all Americans can agree on. And that is why I'm grateful to live in this country. That is why I am happy to live in this country. A beautiful country. A, a, a beloved country. A liberty-seeking, liberty-promoting country that I hope will stay that way and that I will work to keep that way. And I hope you will join me to do the same here on The Glorious Rescue. Again, another way you can do so, another way you can join that glorious rescue is to participate in that giveaway to, again, follow The Glorious Rescue on Instagram to like the post that is coming out this evening. And then also, again, to post the video to your story, tagging Glorious Rescue, and then comment something about the show that you enjoy, particular item segment, and then commenting three people to six people who do not follow the page already. That is going to wrap up our episode. I want to thank you very much again for the support, the continued growth, and then also just for continuing to tune in. And thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm Josiah Everton, and this is The Glorious Rescue.